Hey everybody, you're listening to Big Things with Zach Miko. On today's episode, we sit down with drag queen Cacophony Daniels. Now sit back, relax, and listen to the theme song. All right. Welcome, everybody, to Big Things with Zach Miko. As always, I'm your host, Zach Miko. Thank you for being here on this very, very warm day. At least the day I'm recording this is very, very warm. I'm assuming Monday will be warm as well. But who knows? Maybe it'll be nice. Uh, We have a great show for you guys today. I sit down with my favorite drag queen, Cacophony Daniels, everybody. It's going to be so much fun fun i've been getting into drag lately guys not doing it just enjoying it as an audience member and it's so cool i i gotta admit i have never seen a single episode of rupaul's drag race i know everybody i'm sorry it's a crime but i'm gonna do better uh (laughs) but i've always liked drag ever since i moved to the city drag has been part of my going out to see theater part of my life it's always been fun I've always enjoyed them Uh, my wife Laura was in a drag group as the daughter of two drag queens for when I first met her so I've always enjoyed it but I don't know a lot about the culture behind it I enjoy the show I enjoy the theatrics I enjoy the art of it but I, I, I don't know much about it so the other day I'm sitting at Albatross Bar in Astoria, New York, which is a big drag bar here in my neighborhood. And we went, I saw a show, and I saw Cacophony Daniels perform. I think this was the second time I've seen her. And I'm just like, man, she is so good. This is so much fun. But I realized I don't really know anything about the culture of drag. And so I thought it would be the coolest thing in the world to actually bring her in, especially it being Pride Month, and talk. So I sit down with my absolute favorite drag queen in the world, guys, Cacophony Daniels. And I'm not going to keep talking about it because I know you want to hear from her and how amazing she is. She's not just an incredible drag performer. She's um, her, her, her male self is an amazing performer. He also he was on Broadway. He's done Jersey Boys forever. We're going to talk all about it, guys, and we're going to talk about when, you know, what pronouns to use when talking to drag queens. I didn't know the rules, and I want to be a part So I thought it was perfect to talk to Cacophony, and she's such an incredible person, and her husband is amazing, and her son is incredible, and it's so great. So without further ado, everybody, my favorite drag queen and soon-to-be-yours, Cacophony Daniels. Ladies and gentlemen, I am sitting here with my favorite drag queen that I've seen perform, Astoria, New York's very own Cacophony Daniels. Hello. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? I am so good, and I'm so excited (laughs) to be talking to you. I'm excited to talk to you, too. This is so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. No, thank you. Um, As I was uh, telling Cacophony off Mike, everybody, I've, I'm very new to the drag world um, <laughs> as far as being a fan goes, and I've always enjoyed it. I'm like one of those guys that I'd seen drag a couple times, mm-hmm. every time had very much enjoyed it. Good. But 
you know, never saw too much of it because sure. it was almost like I didn't quite know where to find it. And then uh-huh. uh, I met my wife who was in a drag group <laughs> called <laughs> Sunday Morning Mimosa at the time and became more acquainted with it. And, uh, and it's kind of like... I'm I'm just le- I'm here to learn, and That's I'm awesome. so excited to talk to you. Fantastic! About it. Well, I'm then I'm here to teach. Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, Cacophony Daniels is your drag name. Yes, that's and right. What's your real name? My real name is Quarter Simmons, and a quarter is a weird name. It's spelled it it's spelled like a tennis court. E R. Um, and it was my mother's maiden name that was passed on to me. So that's, oh, great. that's where, that's where that comes from is yeah. And a lot of people say quarter. What the heck is that? So, I yeah. know I was, I was, I was again saying off mic that I was arguing about what your name was with my <laughs> wife, like beforehand, because my wife has met you a couple times as uh-huh. a fan. And actually, mm-hmm. uh, for everyone who doesn't know, Laura was just part of drag debutantes, which was hosted yes. by cacophony. That's right. Um, where Laura d- was a drag king yes. for the first time and was fantastic. Oh, thank you. It was really, really great. It was so, it was actually this hilarious kind of like moment because she, as her character Trevor Cox, yeah. live sang to the Millie Vanilli hit from the 90s. And it, that was just hilarious to me because Millie Vanilli didn't actually live exactly. sing their own music. <laughs> no, exactly. They were lip syncing and then she in drag was live singing it. Oh, it was hilarious. It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, so let's start from the very beginning. Yes. Um, where are you born? Where are you from originally? Are you uh, always New York? No. Um, I'm originally from the San Francisco Bay Area in California. Okay, great. Um, and I moved to New York in May of 2001 um, to pursue a musical theater career because mm-hmm. this is, you know, New York is the center of all of that. Yes, it is. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and lucky that I moved in May because if I tried to move in September, my mother never would have let me leave. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I was here and I started... Um, um, you know, uh, I joined the union. I started doing shows all over the place. Um, mm-hmm. um, and I made my Broadway debut in 2012. So that, that's 11 years later. So That's awesome. <laughs> and was that, was that Jersey Boys? Yes, it was right? with Jersey Boys. Yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah. Um, and then, um, you know, once uh, my journey with Jersey Boys, well, it's never over. Um, I was <laughs> Jersey Boys say, is like the mob. Also with Jersey Boys, because <laughs> when did they close? Like um, The Broadway production the Broadway closed production. At the, um, in January of 2017. And aren't they already announcing a revival well, there's, for Broadway? Well, it's not a revival. Um, it's, uh, it's actually running off-Broadway now. Oh, that's what it yeah, is. Yeah, so it's, okay. it's running at New World Stages now. But, um, you know, it's the kind of thing where I, I was on tour with the show for five years like national tour yeah. yeah didn't like you know it was a long time and then after at that point um jason and i were looking into starting to have a child my husband yeah. and i um and so you know we knew it was time to get off the road to start trying to make that happen um and so we did and that was the point where they said oh well will you be on broadway for a little while and i said sure um <laughs> You're like, you know yeah, i'll give that a try and then and then i said okay well that's probably it for then and then a year later they called and said hey will you go to vegas for a while and i said okay <laughs> So I went to Vegas for seven months and I said, okay, that's probably really it. And then they, you know, and and then I did, there was some time when I wasn't in the show, but I was constantly doing like press gigs and stuff for them because they, you know, they have press events all over the country where they have a Frankie Valley go and sing, can't take my eyes off of you and things like that. So, um, so I would do that, you know, over the years. And then as the show was closing at the end of 2016, um, they found themselves in a situation where they needed a, a standby for Frankie Valley and, they called and said, hey, would you come in? And I, okay, sure. So I got to be in the last two months of the Broadway run, which is amazing. That's so great. And uh, I've already 
gone in a couple of times for the off-Broadway run that's happening. It's, it hasn't even been open a year, and they've already called me a few times. So it's, it is, it's like the mob. You never actually get out. That's, that's something I've noticed in all of my friends who are in musical theater. Uh-huh. They'll go from, I, at least in my friends, like it's like struggle, struggle, doing little gigs, little gigs, little gigs. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden they find one role uh-huh. that just sticks, mm-hmm. and they do it forever uh-huh. I had oh, my, yeah. my friend Lena I think spent like seven years playing Tracy and Hairspray oh yeah <laughs> just like all over the place exactly right now my buddy Barry is has been um guy and once at, oh like, yeah at every little regional theater oh like, yeah well because once you ha- once the, once someone finds out that you have that particular skill set whatever yeah. it is whether Tracy you know you know fabulous voice and fabulous yeah, yeah. dancer in a certain body type or your friend in once who can play the guitar clearly exactly, and all that yeah. kind of stuff once that's discovered then everyone just wants to use you for that thing as I much know. as they can so. especially when he does so many like regional gigs like on a tight rehearsal turnaround oh. they're like oh you just finished playing this exact role and you know all the lines of the music yeah yeah come, come on, on in, in. exactly we'll it. exactly oh it's 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 so funny how <laughs> the world's much smaller a musical theater is so much smaller oh, than gosh, you think yes. it is oh absolutely and, and it Coming from, so I moved to the city in order to pursue musical theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, that didn't last too long. <laughs> um, That's okay. You're finding success in other ways. Exactly. I'm trying. <laughs> Just because I was like, I don't. I was always a fine singer, not a fantastic singer. I was always a fine <laughs> singer, and I was always a good actor, a fine singer, and a non-existent dancer. <laughs> I would go to the I would go to the mover calls, and even then they'd be like, Oh, okay, we'll get. <laughs> That happens to a lot of us, but but you know that happens to a lot of folks. You know, to bring it back to the drag thing, that happens to a lot of folks who do drag. A lot of New York uh, drag queens move to the city to pursue musical theater or or theater in general or dance, and find themselves uh, either not succeeding in the way that they want in that field, or just find themselves in drag for one reason or another. Which is kind of what happened to me. I after Jersey Boys, I started. you know, doing regional gigs again. And yeah. um, one of them was playing Mary Sunshine in a production of Chicago, um, which was, you know, uh, as, a, as a drag role. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, from that, I got a, a spot on a TV show and things like that. And it, it just kind of started happening. I thought, oh, well, maybe this is something I should really look into. And that's, you know, where where I started really pursuing cacophony as like a, a thing. But I still I still call her my day job like the best day job I ever had because there are still times when I leave the city to go do a regional theater gig or when I'm in the off-Broadway company of Jersey Boys or whatever so there are still times when when that happens but Cacophony is a fantastic creative outlet for me oh absolutely and also you know um, you've seen me perform and you know that I I do have this crazy crazy weird voice that's very uh, loud and feminine and uh, you know for it for it to come out of this little man's body you can't see me uh, listeners but I'm a, I'm a little you know man um, but you know <laughs> but for that voice to come out of this little man person is strange but for it to come out of a fabulous drag queen kind of makes sense yeah. so cacophony was kind of born out of a need to find an outlet for that voice yeah yeah so that's so so that's so great and so how'd you come up with the name cacophony daniels well um so uh, out on tour for all those years um you know there was kind of a when you're touring it's a family oh yeah and um and uh the 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 gay quotient of the family which on a musical theater tour is quite a bit um we would all get together every week and watch rupaul's drag race it was one of the things that comes on tour you have to find constants too you know because you're because you're constantly changing cities and hotel rooms and all those kinds of things so uh, one of our constants was every week every thursday after the show we would get together have cocktails and watch rupaul's drag race 
And so for the finale of season three, which is a while ago, we were in um, Minneapolis and we, we said, we're here for the finale. Let's throw a big party. And so we did. We, we threw a big drag party for the entire company, the musicians, the stagehands, everybody. And everybody got in drag and it was hilarious and so much fun because like, you know, big stagehand dudes, you know, with their beards and whatever, just yeah, like, yeah. you know, in a dress and makeup or whatever and wigs, like having a blast. We had it. We rented out a bar in Minneapolis and had a great time, watched the show and all of the um, gay guys in the show like went full out. We learned how to, you know pulled down our eyebrows yeah, and style yeah. wigs and make costumes. We all went and we did it. We choreographed a lip sync number for all of us to perform together. It was a huge thing. And so we all, and we all came up with names and cacophony was mine because um, on the tour, I was always being told by like the music directing staff and all that, that I was too loud. Um, oh. <laughs> so c- cacophony was kind of the perfect name for that. And I just kind of, it just kind of popped into my head one night as I was falling asleep in a hotel room somewhere. And I thought, Oh my gosh, that's really funny. So, but yeah, so we all had our, our different drag names. That's and, awesome. And I just kind of kept kept with it when I when I got back to the city and started really looking into it. So, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I feel like drag names are very like personal. Like my, the mm-hmm. people that I know who do drag. Because mm-hmm. even when Laura was trying to come up with drag names, I was pitching her names, and she was getting uh. real mad at me. <laughs> But she was getting mad at me also because even she even liked some of the names that I was trying to give her. Uh-huh. But she was like, "No, I have to come up with it myself." Oh, interesting. It was so it it was very funny, and 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 I don't know if that's a thing because I know a lot of them are um, I've not, obviously pun based names yes. are mm-hmm. a very big thing. In oh, track. absolutely. So mm-hmm. and I love puns mm-hmm. and I love bad names. Uh-huh. <laughs> Laura was getting like. What did I? Uh, Phil McCracken was a good one. Awesome, that's fantastic. Uh, Milo Danglers is what I wanted her to really be. Um, and these are all just names that that's I used fantastic. to like. You know, when the teachers like sent around like the sign-in sheet and you'd write the fake name, these are all just ones me and my buddies would like. Amazing, <laughs> of, oh, that's hilarious. Great. I actually knew a person who, in real life, mm-hmm. her name was Patricia McCooch. And <laughs> It was it was it was it was a like a mutual like friend's mother and it was just like that's her real name like she married into it so it wasn't chosen. But yeah, it's pretty awesome. I was like, God, someone has to it. use that. Oh, as a drag that, name. that's fantastic. That's yeah. a great drag name, right? Start, is it too late to change mine? That's fantastic. <laughs> I think you're. I think you're locked in. Kickoff. <laughs> I probably at this am. Point. Although there are some queens who change their names kind of midway through, and it's really yeah. I've, there's a couple. There's uh, there's one of the queens who works at Albatross where um, Laura mm. performed. Um, her name now is Gilda Wabbit, which is yes, I know Gilda Wabbit. Uh-huh, and her name before being Gilda, she was Beverly Leslie Sills, oh. which is kind of a. a, a a cross between Beverly Leslie from Will and Grace, that little yeah. character, and Beverly Sills, who was an opera singer. Okay. So it was kind. Of, it was kind of this cross between those two. But that was. It was a. It was a kind of a cerebral name to get because you had yeah. to get those two things. So she went with something a little. Whereas easier. Gilda Wabbit is like, ha ha. Ah, exactly. Gilda Wabbit. <laughs> exactly. Still with the opera tint in there, right? And still. No, and, and totally. Funny, but different, you know. So yeah. So the, and there's been a couple of others that I've known that have changed their names, but. When Gilda did it, you know, she was she was still starting out, so it was yeah. kind of a but uh 
Yeah, but you're right. Drag names are very important, and there, I mean, there are so many good ones, and every day you hear a new one. Oh, that's I know. Hilarious. And they're all uh, my. Fa- I loved um, at that drag debut of time, Angela Mansbury. Oh my that gosh! Was like my f- also, I loved her performance. Yes, her performance. And was then I, as I was like recording, because I was like taking you know Instagram stories throughout mm-hmm. the whole show, because I thought it was so fun. Mm-hmm. And she, of course, was using a dildo the whole time. <laughs> and like as I was about to send them, I like stopped, and I was just like, I do have. <laughs> a fairly decent base of my following is rather conservative <laughs> and but they know what I stand for so I have no problem like posting like drag shows and whatnot right. but, maybe but maybe her jerking off a dildo is, is a little too, too far for yes. them so I'm gonna, I'm gonna back off <laughs> it's like maybe I'll hold post. maybe yeah and it's funny you know there it's it's funny how much drag ends up kind of making fun of those sexual boundaries that we put on yeah. ourselves you know mm-hmm. You were talking earlier about um, when we were off mic about another one of the drag queens or the drag queens there who who was a bio queen um, whose name was Pussy Willow. Yeah. Um, um, explain f- for people just before they know what a bio yes. queen is, because I didn't know this was a thing yeah. until this show. Sure. So there's 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 drag queens, which is, you know, men who. Um, oh, there's an ambulance going by. Um, men who um, dress up as women, usually gay, but not always gay, mm-hmm. um, who, you know, dress as women in whatever form they'd like to to take. And, um, you know, uh, and then there are drag kings, which is women who do the opposite, dress up as men, um, and the same kind of thing. And both of those are about, you know, hyper... Uh, uh, exaggerating the masculinity or femininity of the mm-hmm. character they take on. So a n- maybe kind of newer thing, although I'm sure there's a long history of it, is uh, someone uh, called a bio queen who is um, a biological woman who dresses in drag as a woman. And she's still exaggerating femininity in the yeah. same way that a drag queen does. But she's, you know, she's not just putting on her Maybelline or whatever. She's yeah, going... Yeah full out and you know with a you know big wig and you know big costumes mm-hmm. and it's and it's you know my philosophy about it is that drag is anything and everything you know um RuPaul who you know is the host of RuPaul's Drag Race and has is maybe one of the best known drag queens in history um you know has said very famously that we're all born naked and the rest is drag and that's very true. Everything we put That's on our bodies, quote, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Everything we put on our bodies, everything we wear every day, every is is a projection of who we want the world to see us as. Yeah. And so, you know, whether that's a business suit or a dress or, a, you know, a pair of shorts or whatever, you know, flip-flops, whatever that happens to be, it's who you want the world to see you as. So th- I don't see any problem in having a, a woman who says, well, you know, I am a woman and I'm happy with my femininity, but I want to exaggerate it even further. Yeah. To And, you know, one of the things that drag does is it, it comments on – gender roles yeah. and and other things I've, I've often said that being in drag is almost like being a cartoon or being a puppet you can say things that people that quote normal people can't say and you can do things that quote normal people can't do you yeah. know what i mean when you're watching uh, you know family guy on tv and peter griffin says something horribly you know racist oh, or yeah. ignorant or whatever they get away with it because it's a cartoon. And so in your brain, something tells you, well, this isn't real. Yes. This isn't, you it know, keeps it. I can't take this seriously. Be, it's it's, it's That's why there's jokes that comedians make. Right. And they get in trouble, even though they're doing an act and doing right. like, like famously, mm-hmm. recently, Samantha B. Yes. Uh, called um, 
uh, use the C word. Uh huh. Yes, you I'm did. I'm never sure if I'm allowed to say. It. <laughs> well, you've been saying dildo for a while. So. I have been saying dildo. No, it's not bad. But um, no, no, I can swear as much as I want. But oh, I'm great. just like, I know I'm gonna get an email the second I say it. So um, but no, she she famously called Ivanka Trump the C word mm-hmm. in a beautiful monologue oh, about the separation, the forced separation of families, uh-huh. and how and how. This woman, Ivanka, who is supposed to be the balancing force mm-hmm. of her father for mm-hmm. progressive views, mm-hmm. or at least family views, right, um, is doing nothing. Hasn't right. done a single thing. So in the and it's and the backlash she got for saying that right. was unreal. And I was like, no, no, no. She said that for one. I didn't disagree with her. Right. But two, <laughs> she's a comedian. She's saying this in a show, but yes. she, you don't have that separation from the person and the act. Right, exactly. And that's human, one of the things that yeah. drag gives you. So yeah. you can say and do things, which, you know, it was um, when uh, Laura was doing her drag character, Trevor Cox, which is a hilarious name. Yeah. Um, you know, she was able to put on that kind of hyper masculine thing. Yeah. You know, and she, her character was kind of hitting on all the ladies in the audience and doing that whole thing. And, you know, she was spoofing, I'm sure, something that, well, that I've definitely witnessed, and I'm sure you have too, walking on the streets of New York, something that women experience every oh, yeah. day, which is the cat calls and the constant, you know, sexual aggression from. From strange men you don't even know who have no business saying those things. Yeah. You know, she was making a statement about that, and that's what you can do through drag: is you can make statements about those things in the guise of a character that is not yourself, so that you can say you're a feckless c-word and not yeah. get in trouble for it because yeah. it's because it's definitely not you. No, you know? exactly. And it's 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 fun to blur those lines, and it's freeing because you have this voice that is is still your voice. There's still yeah. your views, but that you won't be punished for necessarily. I mean, you know, if a, there are drag queens like, you know, you know, Kathy Griffin holding up Trump's bloody stump of a head, right? Yeah. I've I've seen drag queens do far worse that No, to, I know, but because she did Trump. it as herself, exactly. it was like, yeah. Exactly. It, it's it's amazing that that Yeah, I, I never really draw drew the comparison between things like drag and cartoons before mm-hmm. but now i realize because i've been a huge fan of south park like my whole life oh yeah i think it's at, i think it's i think it's the best written show i've ever seen oh. because they can they do everything they uh-huh. hit on they are so and it's the fact i think because they do this six day turnaround oh yeah so they are so current it's all so the topical. time oh, and yeah. so topical mm-hmm. and they push it so far yeah and there's always been this rule that, like, it's South Park. They can say that. It's yeah. Like, yeah, every every other show would get taken off the air. Right. Uh, there was a documentary called Six Days to Air, which mm. is their sh- which about making their show. Uh-huh. And it took place the season after Book of Mormon came out. Uh. So they just went on this magical, theatrical journey right. of promoting their show. And then yes. they had to get right back to uh-huh. what happened today. Right. Okay, we need to write an episode in two days. Uh-huh. Record it in two days. <laughs> edit it and send it off oh my gosh and they'll like they would deliver it to comedy central wednesday morning or wednesday afternoon to air wednesday night and they had one person whose job it was just to sit on phone with fcc the whole time and apparently they have separate rules for what south park can do and what other people (laughs) (laughs) just because they've beaten them down and they're like all right fine fine it's fine well you know and there comes a point where when when you expect something from someone yeah no one's gonna you know there's you know there are all those uh, groups that would have the FCC, you know, censor what people say and all that. But there comes a point where those groups just ignore South Park because yeah. it's just a constant barrage. So there's yeah. no point in trying to, you know, 
to make South Park's not say something because the second you tell them that they can't do it, they're they like, absolutely. "Oh, you're getting a full episode." Exactly. Now. <laughs> no, I remember. I was just recently watching because my son is is into South Park, even though he's a little young. But we have always had the rule that we don't censor him from yeah. from things like that. For there, there are certain content, especially violent content, that we absolutely censor. From yes, him. But, I totally agree. But um, that's the way my parents were. They were very much like, "No, you can't watch this violent thing." Mm-hmm. But you know, but satire is. We're what we were watching, you know, Blazing Saddles at like ten years old. Yeah, and my dad had to explain like why I couldn't say the n word at uh-huh. like nine years old because oh, I'm like yeah. they're saying it on TV. He's like, yeah, but they're making fun of the fact that people's like, <laughs> yes, just, oh, exactly. Yeah. It's called satire, sweetheart. And exactly. There's a reason why they can get away with that. Exactly. But you know, and so he and I were watching the <clears throat> the episode where they were, but at this at. They were both making fun of Family Guy. It was the dolphin episode. Yes. Or the manatees. The manatees, yeah. They were making fun of Family Guy, but also making fun of the fact that they weren't allowed to um, post uh, an image of Muhammad. Yeah. And, you know, um, because of the backlash that they feared from, you know. And so I, it was, it was amazing satire that, you know. Uh, an 11 year old kid like my son is just going to hear the dirty jokes and think it's funny but someone who is older uh, you know a college student or above is going to see the political statement that it's making and and it's going to make them think you know which is frankly you know the reason why all these you know comedy slash news shows is are, are doing so well is because we have to make people think somehow, yeah. you know, and oh. just, you know, just Dan Rather is not going to do it anymore. And, you and know? I've gotten, and, and I'm sure it's what some people on the far right will get mad at me for, but mm. I've gotten so much of my actual news from political satire shows because sure. I, it's so hard to filter through everything Yes, on like, and, and I so try much. to watch CNN and I try to, you know, watch MSNBC and then I do go to the other side and I try to watch Fox news mm-hmm. just so when I'm having a conversation with someone on the other side of the aisle, I can go, all right, what, what do you know? Cause your truth apparently is totally different than my truth. Right. And that's the problem is we're arguing facts and truths, but we're being presented with different facts and truths. Exactly. So now I have to have a conversation mm-hmm. with you about that. About what, what's actually real. I know it's pretty crazy, which, you know. <laughs> Yeah. The fun thing about n- none of drag is real, so you can yeah. kind of do whatever you want. <laughs> oh, and it's such a, it, it's, and that's what I've lo- loved about it. Like, it's such, you know, me getting more and doing, going to more drag shows mm-hmm. and whatnot. It is such an escape, but with that same poignancy mm-hmm. of, it's, it's, it's interesting. I don't know how to describe it. It's, mm-hmm. it's definitely an escape. And it's definitely fake, uh-huh. air quotation fingers. Right. But it's all grounded in someone else's truth, so it's fun to absolutely, like, absolutely, to yeah, see that. Yeah, when 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 uh, someone in drag is is really hitting their their mark as yeah. far as their art goes, it's because they're speaking some truth about the world as they see it. Yeah, and you know that's really important. You know, and there are there are plenty of queens who can you know just get up and you know, lip sync to a Britney song or whatever. And and there's nothing necessarily too subversive about it. And yet there is because it's still this person who is, you know, defying gender norms by wearing whatever the hell they want yeah, and performing and standing up in front of a group of people, even if it's a group of, you know, even if they're preaching to the choir and saying, you know, I can be who I want to be and I can present whatever face I want to present to the world and no one can stop me from doing that. That's so great. Thank you. Um, Now, so so going to these drag shows, I've noticed mm-hmm. the two main differences mm-hmm. seem to be the ones that live sing and uh-huh. the ones that lip sync. That's right. I didn't. So 
beforehand, uh-huh. the, like before I really started going, mm-hmm. and before RuPaul's Drag Race, I guess, really uh-huh. took off, uh-huh. all the queens I saw always were live singing. Interesting. Okay. And I, but I but, but then I'm being told that I just happened to go to the ones that are live singing because it seems like lip syncing is way more prevalent it in is. the drag community. It is. Well, you know, it, it's interesting because you know, the drag goes back for eons. Literally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, from you know, from you studied musical from the theater, Greeks. Exactly. Yeah. So you know that in in theater, it, women didn't used to will be allowed to perform exactly. theater at yeah. all, and so. You know, any women's role you saw in, you know, from ancient Greek times all the way up through Shakespeare yeah. was performed by a man in a dress, you know. And there are some people who say that the term drag comes from Shakespeare, um, the initials dressed resembling a girl. Um, that's that's debated. Um, but, <laughs> it, you know. Um, he made up enough words. And he so did, we don't he made up know. a lot, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, you know, so. Um, so, but drag has been around for a long time. It's only recently, with the advent of, um, you know, uh, iTunes and YouTube and mm-hmm. things like that, that queens have or or kings um, have access to the kind of technology that we have to play a song that you that is obscure or to splice together a mix for yeah. a show or things like that. So those things are actually fairly recent. If you watch, um, you know. Uh, older performances there are there are oh gosh the name is escaping me right now but there was um back then he was called a female impersonator but he was he would perform on ed sullivan and um things like that so back in the 60s and his name is escaping me at the moment please look it up (laughs) friends um look up um you know a female impersonator barbara streisand female impersonator judy garland female impersonator phyllis diller and it was this man and he Everything he did was live, and that's where drag was at the time. If you watch the 1979 film The Rose, which is the Bette Midler film, um, you'll mm-hmm. see Bette goes to, or the character The Rose, goes to a drag bar, and one of the drag queens, when you, when she goes to this drag bar, there's a live band, a three-piece, four-piece band, and all of the queens are singing live because they didn't have access to sound systems and iTunes and splicing things. You know, um, there was a queen named Lipsinka who <laughs> came around in the um, early 90s and, you know, um, and is, is you know well-known in the drag community. She was the first person who started to make, quote, drag mixes. And back then, she had to literally physically splice tape together yeah. to make those things, to create those things. And it was revolutionary. And yeah. now... So many queens do that with the touch of a button in Garage oh, Band. Yeah, but it was it was very difficult to do. So this the the lip syncing thing is actually a more recent thing than our collective memories realize. Yeah, um, it used to be that lots of queens just sang live because that was because you had a piano player. And no, exactly. That was all you had. So you know sheet music and or do you know this song? I'm going to do this. So the the. The lip syncing is a, a newer thing, but it is, of course, popularized by Drag Race. And now yeah. it's the thing. If you know, lip syncing is is easier to do than live sing. I think a lot, and it's more accessible for a lot of people. Not everyone can sing, yeah. but uh, almost everyone can learn to move their mouths to and, music and perform it as well as and they perform can. it exactly. Yeah. It's not just moving your mouth, of course. Exactly. It is in, it is embodying that song, whatever it is, and whatever that song means to you. And it's I'm not not to say that it's not uh, difficult because it no, is, yeah. and the people who do it well do it so well. Um, but it's, <laughs> I just saw um, Jan Sport. Oh um, yeah. I just saw a video of her um, doing a remix of the Fergie NBA Finals National mm-hmm, Anthem. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. 
I could not. Hilarious. I could not stop laughing. Hilarious. I know. So funny. And yeah. so, but again, you know, that kind of thing wouldn't have been possible even 10 years ago. No, to, totally. To see that, you know, to get this performance and download it and create it and mix it up as your own. When I was younger, I wanted to be a, before musical theater, I wanted to be a singer-songwriter more mm. than anything. Mm-hmm. So I made an EP when I was 18 years old. Well, that's awesome. And um, we, <laughs> I remember we recorded like one of the songs even before that, when I was with a different terrible band, <laughs> who um, and we recorded on tape, and it was the craziest thing. Where because we we're like, "Oh, can we do another take?" And the guy's like, "No, that, <laughs> goes, that's that, it. That's you're, yeah. It's on a tape. Yeah, <laughs> like actual tape." He goes, "If you want to pay way more, mm-hmm. we can keep running through the tape, but this stuff's expensive." And uh-huh. I was like, "Oh, okay. Oh, I now won't. I get it. Uh huh. Exactly." But now, exactly, you can just, everyone has it. I don't even know how to use it, but my iPhone came with GarageBand. I apparently can do stuff on my phone with it. (laughs) Exactly, and then we all have it at our fingertips, which is why there are so, you know, everyone says, oh, well, Drag Race is, um, you know, Drag Race is responsible for this explosion in drag, and it's it's certainly part of it, but another part of it is that, we all have access now to everything. I yeah. can, you know, if I lived in, you know, the middle of Indiana, I could go onto Amazon and order a wig and shoes and a dress yep. all in my size and things like that. Whereas that wasn't possible 10 years ago to do that. Yeah. And I can go onto iTunes and create mixes in GarageBand and all those kinds of things, things that weren't possible. So it's not just that Drag Race made it more popular. It's that it's so accessible to so many people who, yeah. for whom it wasn't accessible before. And... and- it's such an I feel like as you said a lot of the people who do drag happen to be gay mm-hmm. but not everybody not everyone um do you think there's a reason for that besides that like like is it just a release for people sure i mean i think that uh, you know um g- gay men are typically more um in touch with their quote feminine side mm-hmm. um and have often lived their whole lives kind of blurring those lines between masculine and feminine. Yeah. Um, so it's it's easier for them to access it. But, you know, another thing is that it's, you know, drag has lately um, been, you know, more aimed at gay men, you know, as far as the entertainment. You yeah. don't often go to a, quote, straight bar and see a drag queen performing. And that's not because the people wouldn't necessarily like it. It's yeah. just because it's never been aimed at them. And that that's kind of, that's kind of where it is right now. When you want to go see drag, you're usually going to a gay bar. Yeah. And, um, you know, so that's those, that's the audience. So that's, who's going to see it and kind of perpetuate it. So, and that's, again, that's not necessarily always the case. And, you know, drag has, has been funny and enjoyed by people for, you know, eons and decades and, you know, in, on television and all those kinds of things, but it's certainly more accessible to gay men because, it's what we see when we go out, you know, especially with the creation of Drag Race and all that kind of stuff. There aren't very many gay bars where you don't see drag at least one or two nights a week, you know. That's true. I mean, if you go, even just talking, like right here in Astoria, mm-hmm. Albatross mm-hmm. is like, what, four nights a week at least? At least, yeah. At least there's drag shows. Yeah. Same with Icon. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it was, it's funny because when Icon first opened, um, you know, the guys who who bought it, well, first, uh, it, it's, it's been recently uh, acquired by the same guys who own Albatross. Oh, and, okay. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's all of the same family. Um, and when they first... Um, purchased icon their idea was kind of only to dr- to do drag you know maybe one night a week 
um, because they wanted it to be a different kind of place, which is great. Yeah. And it is a different, it has a very different feeling and atmosphere than, um, than Albatross totally. does. But they realize that when people go to a bar, even if they're not going to watch the drag show, they still expect the drag show to be happening. Yeah. Um, you know, and there are lots of people, you know, Icon isn't um, necessarily set up the way that Albatross is. Albatross has a very clear stage space that no, is elevated yeah. and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Whereas Icon, it's, it's, it's part of the floor that becomes the stage when there's a drag show going on. Um, you know, so e- e- a lot of people go to Icon and they're not there to watch the show, but they still expect it to be happening when they're there. Um, you know, it's like going to a, a, a quote straight bar or a pub or something and expecting to see TVs playing, you know, the sports. sports. Or no, whatever. totally, absolutely. Because you just, you know, and if it's not a bad thing if it's not there, but you just kind of expect it. Well, it's one of the reasons you're going to the place in the first place. Exactly, because yeah, because we have access to television and music and all that yeah. everywhere we go. But and nowadays we have access to drag everywhere we go too with, with drag race and everything. It's but re- it's 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 you know. It, Living in New York, I've always known of drag shows and gone to drag shows, but it mm-hmm. really, I guess for me, being a man on the outside of the drag world, mm-hmm. it just seems like the last two years, or last two or three years, even, yeah. though, even though RuPaul's been on for a while, uh-huh. especially the last two or three years has been a huge boom. Oh, yeah, and I think you know it's the explosion of the recognition. You know, It, it recently moved from Logo, which was the network that was specifically focused to yep. lesbians and gay men, to... VH1, which is a more, was a broader audience. Exactly. Um, you know, uh, RuPaul herself started being recognized by um, uh, the Emmy Awards and things like that. So all of that kind of made it even more prevalent. But I also mm-hmm. think, excuse me, that um, our political climate has made, um, you know, that kind of standing up and saying what you believe, even if it is in, you know, the, the guise of another character. Yeah. Um, you know, a really important thing for a lot of people. And and it's important for us to get that outlet. Um, you know, we all, we can sit at home and be on our social media and, and be amongst our friends. And, you know, now nowadays social media aims things at us that are specifically, you know, for, you know, our mindsets. Yeah. But it, it's another thing to go out and be physically with your community and a group of people who agree with you. You know, and that's kind of the one thing you can always, almost always count on at a drag show is that you're going to be with a group of people who share your values. Yeah. And, uh, you know, because even if you're a straight person or, you know, a bi person or whatever, or someone who has never questioned their sexual identity or anything Mm -hmm. like that, if you're there, it's because you're you have an open mind and you know a, a mindset totally. where you can watch something that you've never seen for the first time, you know, and 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 be open to that. Yeah. And so I think that's that's why you know it, lately the the explosion has happened. I think that people seek out that kind of community because just sitting at home on your social media can drive you nuts. Totally. I mean, and I think that's the reason I've even been going to more drag shows and whatnot is because mm-hmm. I do. I go to these bars and I feel camaraderie uh-huh. even though i'm not even though i'm you know heterosexual right even though i'm a man who's only done drag as a gag like <laughs> right. has never yeah, yeah. really done right. you know I've, you know but yeah. it, and like but i feel i'm a, i'm around such a group of like-minded people i was mm-hmm. just like no one in this room is wishes ill will to anyone else right. which is the biggest thing yeah and that's the biggest political argument I always get into right. with people. I'm like, I was, until the last two years, I was so okay with us having different ideas. Sure. When I was in high school and mm-hmm. in 
even early college, I, w- I would think that I was way more conservative. I was sure. always very socially liberal. Yeah. But I was like very, you know, because you know, I sure. came from like a Republican household. So that's what I thought. Sure. And then, you know, in the last couple of years, I was like, no, this is this is apparently there is a line in the sand there that is. I have to stand on one side or another. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to do that. And the big line in the sand seems to be me getting into arguments with people mm-hmm. that their beliefs mm-hmm. is harmful to others, mm-hmm. takes away other people's rights, right. takes away, and my beliefs just don't do that. And that right. seems to be the argument I'm having. I'm like, right. and it's like, oh, Zach, you're being very biased. I'm like, I'm not being biased. <laughs> I'm arguing with full-grown men whether babies should be in cages or not. Right. This is insane to yeah, me. Yeah, absolutely. And the fact that you there's, there's enough of a disconnect uh-huh. where this is a crazy thing. I think mm-hmm. when someone says, you know, some Nazis are good people, that that's a crazy thing to fucking say. Exactly. And I didn't think I had to argue this with people who claim to be good, decent Christian people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And or, it, or even Americans. I mean, we yeah. fought a war against the Nazis, for Christ's sake. And we won, so why are we still dealing with I them? I don't know. It's so... Ugh. <laughs> uh, I know it's so painful it is. to think about. It is, and that's another reason I think that people go out is, you know, I just, I just, I just laughed at that. We were talking about Nazis, and I laughed, and it's because you have to laugh at some yeah, point. Yeah, it's you ha- so because, ridiculous because it's because it's so ridiculous and and mind blowing that we're even having some of these conversations still. That you have to just laugh at it, and that's one of the things that that drag lets us do that's you know that samantha b tried to do with her you know and that you know michelle wolf and all those kinds of things i know trying to make people laugh about these things because sometimes there is nothing we can do but laugh at it because it gets so ridiculous yeah and everyone's (laughs) the samantha b thing everyone's like well roseanne got canceled how come samantha b didn't Mm. Because Roseanne said her 400th unsolicited racist comment. Exactly. And people went, okay, that's number 400. Exactly. I think that's well, enough. Exactly. And, you know, now she's representing a network. And that's yeah. where it really comes down to. Oh, right? yeah. It's all about the money, right? And, so you know, and, and Samantha B didn't say anything that was harmful or offensive to a group of people. I mean, no. I guess if you are a woman and you have a vagina – then you might take offense at the word that she used. But so does but- Samantha B. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So it's like exactly. Whereas you know Roseanne's comment were about a group of people, and she used terms that have constantly been used to hurt that group yeah. of people. That's the difference between those two. And the fact that there are people who don't see that or choose not to see that is what's infuriating. It's it's, it's pure tribalism mm-hmm. where it is. It's like uh, it's like a sports team. Yeah. Where they're on that side. This right. is their team. Mm-hmm. Even if their team does something horrific, mm-hmm. they're going to be like, no, mm-hmm. this is my team. I have to fight it tooth and nail. I have right. to fight it to the death, even if I hate what they're doing. Right. And that's arguments I get into with people I've known and respected my entire life mm-hmm. who you know, voted a different way than I do. And I'm mm-hmm. trying to explain it. And they... They so many times that argument I've gotten to has been prefaced with the other person going, I don't even like Donald Trump. And I'm just uh, like, then why are you arguing? With exactly. Me? Then why and are you arguing? Because they're this? on that side. Exactly. It, it's I've been trying so hard lately to get into conversations with people where I just try to hear them out as much as possible. Sure. And I just try to just be like, listen, you and I can scream at each other, but you're very angry. I'm very angry. Mm-hmm. I want to know why you're very angry. Right. Well, and, 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 it, I, and I and I want to understand your thought process and I want to understand things that I 
that I find so hypocritical. Right. And in every other aspect of your life, you seem like a kind, decent, loving person. Right. And then there's this thing. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I think that you're right. People get stuck in there. Well, this is my team. This is my tribe. And the way that we combat that is by doing exactly what you're doing, which is just trying to talk to people and get people to realize that we're all on the same side. We're all human beings we all want the same basic we all want what's best for ourselves and for our children and for their future children and so everyone's doing exactly and where people get into into trouble is trying to decide what's best for someone else and Mm -hmm. you know and you know and what's best for you is affected by the things that other people do for sure i can understand why if people really thought that people from other countries were coming and murdering people or taking their employment, I can understand why they would be scared of those people. But the, but you have to look at the full facts of, and this is just yeah. one facet of it, you know, you have to look at the full facts of that argument and say, okay, but is that really happening? Yeah. And if it's not, then maybe that fear is unnecessary. Yeah. And then maybe we can be more open and more human about the people who, who are coming in. Or the same thing with marriage is, 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 Two women getting married to each other going to affect the marriage that you have with your spouse. And if it is, then that's a problem you have with your spouse. There is a fantastic <laughs> David Sedaris story oh where my gosh. he writes. And it's one of those uh, stories where, you know, most of his stuff is about himself and uh-huh. his life. Mm-hmm. But every now and then he writes a prose where it's uh-huh. like where he in two books ago. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about diabetes and owls. Yes. Um, he talks about he wrote a bunch of short stories because he found out that people that teenagers were giving were reading his stories as speeches in these speech competitions okay and he made him sad because he didn't think they were good so (laughs) he wrote like six stories that are that were specifically like and were like within the parameters of length for this Mm. thing like specifically for people to give his speeches at these comments Mm -hmm. and one of them was about a guy who um where he was speaking from, you know, first person about this guy who, after gay marriage was passed, realized his marriage was meaningless. So he <laughs> murdered his wife oh and family because apparently there are no laws anymore. And it is so <laughs> satirically brilliant. Yes, but satire at it at its greatest. And there are people who would who would look at that and say, "Oh, he's advocating murder." And it's like, no, no, that's, that's you know, it's not absurdism. At all. It, it's it's exactly. It's I've never understood that. I was like, how. To someone else's life, like mm-hmm. whether it's who they choose to love mm-hmm. or the gender they choose to prescribe to, mm-hmm. how does that affect me in the slightest? Right. Like I've never understood this argument. I, right. It has nothing, nothing to do with me whatsoever. Absolutely. Absolutely. But there are people who, you know, and so that, yeah, that's where, that's where you get into trouble is, yeah. is people trying to, to control or, or who feel that the way that other people are living their lives gets in the way of them living theirs and that's you know and so when when people have a a fear and i do believe there is a genuine fear among people that you know the relaxation of morals will somehow hurt their lives and so the best thing to do i think for for everyone is to live our lives as genuinely as possible in a way that doesn't hurt anyone else's life so that so that you, so that those people who are afraid can see, oh, that's not hurting me. That doesn't have. That doesn't affect my life. It doesn't matter that that gay couple is married. It doesn't matter that they adopted a child. Yeah. It doesn't. Those things. 
aren't hurting any. They're not hurting each other. They're not hurting the child. Exactly. They're not hurting me. So I don't. I shouldn't have a problem with that. You know. And so I think the best thing we can do is to live genuinely as ourselves, and and that's going to hopefully show people that that they don't need to be afraid of, of yeah. any minority or, or group of people. Exactly. That's perfectly said. Thank you. And uh, transitions perfectly yes, into uh, me talking about exa- uh, exactly that. Mm-hmm. Um, you have an adopted son. Yes. Who's amazing. Yes, I met he him. Is. Derek is wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and so there are people who would fight against that. Yes. For example. There are. Did you guys run into any issues when it came to the adoption process? Um, no, we didn't. Um, we are very lucky. Thank God to, for yes, one. Exactly. Yeah. We're very lucky to live in New York State where mm-hmm. um, things are, pro- are progressive enough that we didn't have any obstacles as far as being a gay couple. Um, and um, Derek came from a state that um, also doesn't have any issues with that. Good. And so uh, we were able to adopt him with the, with the overwhelming support of everyone on his, on his team, on his care team. Good. Um, the, the problem that, that he ran into um, as a kid in the foster system was, you know, Derek um, has never um, prescribed to the gender norms either, and mm-hmm. he um, has come out of the closet, um, even though he's so young, which is... An which amazing, is so amazing. It is. It's a testament to how far we've come as a society. No, absolutely. That 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 someone so young does feel comfortable. Doing yeah, that. it's great. But when he, you know, because he, a lot of 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 gay kids or kids, you know, on the gender spectrum or the Kinsey scale or whatever, when they're younger, they they um, demonstrate you know non gender conforming behavior, and a lot of his previous foster homes had an issue with that yeah there were homes that didn't let him you know dress up in a skirt if he wanted to or play with the kind of toys that he wanted to play with or things Mm -hmm. like that because it was you know wrong and bad and all those kinds of things and so that was where the issues were the issues weren't with the system in in this instance they were with some of the people who were charged with his care Mm. and so that's something that um that really needs to be changed and there are um, you know, uh, my husband is, is a researcher by trade, um, and um, he has come across research that there that that gay or LGBT kids are um, in the foster system at, at a higher rate than in normal society. So, mm-hmm. you know, that leads us to believe that they are rejected by their families or by their foster homes because of their identity, and so that's something that we need to that we need to work on as a society and, mm-hmm. and as a system that is charged with protecting these kids is is taking care of these LGBT or even questioning kids yeah. who, you know, there's there's nothing that says that any kid at any point in their development we will settle on an identity and keep that for the rest of their lives, you know, but we, we need to be able to support the kids wherever they're at. And if, if a kid is in the foster system, it's because they have suffered some kind of horrible trauma in their yeah. life, even if that trauma was only the removal from their bio- biological parents, which these kids, you know, coming from the border, that's, you know, that's the big, that's one of the biggest things they've been through. Yeah. Although they're, they're fleeing their countries for lots of reasons. But one of the worst things that's happened in their lives is that they've been ripped from their biological parents. Yeah. You know, so even if that's their only trauma, it's still trauma. And we need to treat these kids carefully because they, they they need care for the trauma that they've been through, and they, that needs to be addressed so that they can try to live happy, normal, successful lives. 
Um, so, you know, uh, my husband and I, we, we explored a lot of avenues when we were looking at having children. Yeah. Um, you know, we looked into surrogacy, which is a wonderful thing, but mm-hmm. is ridiculously expensive. Yes. And, and not exactly uh, legal even in most states. Um, really? You know, there are, I mean, it's not illegal, but there are states that, that bar both parents from being on the birth certificate or things like that. So Okay. Yeah, so you know that's something yeah. that that is a difficult fight, and you know, and and then we looked into adopting, you know, uh, you know, looking to uh, adopt a, a baby, you know, from you know a mother who wanted to to give it up, um, and you know, that is all, that also has the the cost that comes with it, and it also means that you're getting an infant, mm-hmm. um, but what we what we found ourselves realizing is that there are kids, um, you know, who who need homes who are who exist now who yeah. have. Who have whatever issues that they have, but are loving, wonderful children who need, who need love and care, and need a place to, you know, finish out their childhoods and develop mm-hmm. as as fully as they can. And there are so and many have of them that out support there. going on further in life. Exactly, exactly. Because everyone always makes the joke like, oh, you know, you're stuck with them till they're eighteen. Right, but it's but like you're a shitty parent <laughs> if you cut them off entirely at eighteen. Exactly, and that's unfortunately what happens to lots of kids in the foster system is yeah. when they age out of the system at 18 all of those support systems just, just go away yeah. and you know so if if we could even for just one kid um you know stop that cycle and give them a place that is a home and a family and you know we just happened to find the best kid in, in the whole world yeah, so, yeah. Um, you lucked out and we did because he really is the most amazing kid ever um and and we love him so so much and i can't imagine our lives without him but you know, th- we're going to be his parents forever, not in just not just until he's eighteen. Exactly. You know, we're his dads, and so there's, uh, you know, there are so many kids out there who need that, especially older kids, kids who are you know older than eight, nine, or ten, who, yeah. you know, they still need homes, they still need love, they still need family. And now you're meeting my cat. There he is. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it, it it turned out to be the best decision we ever made because he's just the best kid, and he's made our family complete. That's so wonderful. Thank you. And you've, you've, you've done such a great job so far because um, I know Thank Derek you. also does drag himself. Yes, he does. Because when I, you just were, so uh, I don't think anyone doesn't know, but it's Pride <laughs> Month uh-huh. for two more days. Yes, And exactly. it was uh, Pride Weekend here in New York City yes. last week. Uh-huh. And then I know even the week before then, you actually went to Kalamazoo, Michigan. Yes, I did. Yeah. Which was awesome. Yeah, my... Um, my uh, partner Suttonly Seymour and I um, went to Kalamazoo to celebrate their pride with him there, which was awesome. Yeah, it's so cool to go out to you know everyone when you think of when when especially when uh, LGBT people are growing up and they think oh I've got to get out of my my little hometown yeah. whatever that happens to be and they think of where they're gonna go you know it's New York it's L A it's San Francisco it's yeah, you know, yeah. maybe Miami or Chicago or Seattle but. You know, so it's it's so cool to go to a quote small town like Kalamazoo yeah. and celebrate the LGBT community with all of those people because there are people who are living in you know Midwestern Middle America who are living their lives and they still want to be proud and out and celebrated and all yeah. that kind of stuff. And so the the night was just a cel- the whole weekend was just a celebration of all of that of of love and people and it w- it was so great to be surrounded by all that love and. Yeah, I, I I have friends. You know, we all in New York City. Everyone has f- friends from small towns. Of course. And my wife is from a very small town, mm-hmm. and she used to say, uh, you know, we I'd ask her friends back home, uh-huh. like, you know, is there any? They're like, oh no, there aren't really any. You know, 
uh, gay people around and or, or and I'd get in arguments with that. I'm like, no, there are. <laughs> Exactly. They don't feel comfortable coming out in this situation, right? But but they're, they're definitely here, absolutely, because they all come to my city <laughs> and tell me that they were there uh-huh. and they escaped, quote unquote. Exactly. Exactly. So, so I mean, that's great that the, that places like Kalamazoo are feeling at least yeah. more open and more comfortable. In absolutely. the last couple of years, there's been a feeling of openness where they feel okay mm-hmm. being who they are Absolutely. there than having to move yes. to a metropolitan area. Exactly, exactly. And, and, you know, and yeah, so it was so great to see that. And, you know, people should be able to be themselves wherever they are, but, of course, they don't feel that way. And yeah. I'm sure there were people at Kalamazoo Pride who drove in from even smaller towns oh, yeah. and even more remote places. Mm-hmm. And so... It's it's just important that people and you know, you know nowadays we have the internet and there are websites and chat rooms and and apps that let us feel a community that way. But there's still nothing that matches the experience of, of being surrounded being by people. exactly. I totally agree by those people. I totally agree. Does yeah. Derek have a drag name yet? Yes, he does. Um, he I'm Cacophony Daniels and his drag name is Harmony Daniels, Aww, which is just so is sweet, so wonderful. Yes, it is. Um, so in okay, so that that reminds me in yes. the drag world they yes. have. Drag, drag mothers families. and daughters, drag yes. families. Uh-huh. How does that work? Well, so, you know, that can't kind of came out of, you know, in the, uh, I, I mean, it's probably been around even longer than I'm aware of, but as far as I know, it kind of came out of the need, you know, in the uh, late part of the 20th century when, you know, drag was kind of becoming more of a thing in the gay community, mm-hmm. the need for people, because most people who were, at that time, doing drag or living lives as out gay people, um, they were rejected by their biological families mm-hmm. in whatever way, or didn't feel they could even tell their biological families. Yeah. So they moved to the big, you know, urban area, and they had to create their own families. You know, this concept of a chosen family, mm. um, you know, which which still happens. You know, there are still lots of people who are rejected by their biological families, and. Or, or just realize at some point that they have nothing in common with them, you know, that yeah. they don't share their same views or whatever. And so, you know, this, but, but we all still need family. Everyone needs family. Absolutely. Um, you know, and so these drag families kind of came out of that. It came out of, you know, well, the, an, an older, more experienced person could help, uh, you know, usher a younger person into the drag world or, you know, give them tips on the things that they needed. But even, you know, when you watch, like, uh, like the, the documentary Paris is Burning, uh, which have you ever seen that? No. Oh, that's your homework, Zach. Okay. Go watch Paris is Burning. And okay. It is, it, is a, um, it is a documentary about the ball scene, the, the, the drag ball scene that happened. Okay, in I've New heard York of this. City. I haven't yes. seen it, but I've heard of this. It's on Netflix now. Yeah. So go watch it. And, um, and you see drag families there. And, you know, people, you know, kind of help people with their drag. And, and that's kind of all the drag families are nowadays. But back yeah. then, it was also providing food, employment, a place to live, a place to stay, um, help with, you know, uh, addiction problems and things like that. Totally. Everything that a family would do, everything that your grandmother, your mother would do for you, that's what these older queens would do for the young kids that's coming so in. great. And that's something I didn't know was, again, mm-hmm. being a straight man who's always had you know, always, always love the LGBT community. He's always right. had gay friends, but mm-hmm. I still didn't live that experience. So right. I still don't understand. I don't understand certain ways where I didn't realize I was actually watching queer eye, mm-hmm. of course. Yeah. Um, this last season where they were talking about chosen families yeah. and I didn't know that it had a term. I was, yeah. I was just like, yeah, they have close friends and mm-hmm. people were like, no, you have to 
have a family yeah. because everybody needs that. Yeah. And I was very lucky to have been raised in, I was raised in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. So I've always been in the Northeast. Mm-hmm. It's always been fairly progressive. Mm-hmm. So I never, all of my gay friends, mm-hmm. no one was ousted from their homes. That's no wonderful. One was, and I was very lucky to, and my, and my friends were very lucky to have that experience. Mm-hmm. But coming to New York mm-hmm. and I meet uh, my gay friends here and I realized that they had a very different Right. Life. Absolutely. That they do not talk to people mm-hmm. at all anymore. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that, that's, that's, it's still happening. You know, there are a, a disproportionate amount of, of teens who are in the homeless system yeah. who are, who were kicked out because of their LGBT identity. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's still happening nowadays. And, you know, we're lucky to live in the Northeast where we are more progressive, but there are still conservative communities here, especially religious communities, especially certain communities of color, where yeah. being gay is not an option for them and their families. Yeah. And so when they make the choice to come out of the closet, they're also making the choice to risk their family life. You know, and so that's where these drag families come from. Now, you know, nowadays, now that people are more accepting, now yeah. that we, you know, um, the uh, being a drag mother or a, or a drag child is more about you know teaching your drag daughter how to glue down her eyebrows yeah. or helping her with her mixes or things like that. You know, yeah. it's more about that. It's not about uh, providing you know a place to live and all those kinds of things. But that's where it comes from. Is where from a real need for family. That's beautiful. That's so. That's so wonderful. And it, and it's that ideology that that when I go to you know a place like Albatross and like mm-hmm. a gay bar, I do feel such a sense of community because right. I feel like everyone's looking out for each other. Absolutely. Which is so rare nowadays, yeah. and it yeah. used to not be rare. Right. And it used to be like a lot of people find solace that sort of family and that sort of community. They find that solace in religion, mm-hmm. which there are some churches that are wonderful. Mm-hmm. My good friend Maddie is a proud out gay man, and he is very involved in his church. Uh-huh. And his church is unbelievably accepting. Uh-huh. They had a float in the pride parade. They That's are wonderful, so wonderful. And they, but sadly, other people, especially if you come from a more Bible Belt area, uh-huh. it's just not yeah. okay. Yeah, at all. Absolutely. And uh, I don't know. I to me, I was very lucky to be very close to my family, and I couldn't imagine somebody my family Mm -hmm. rejecting me for who I was. Yeah. And absolutely. And I'm glad that, that there are these families in the community that have stepped up to fill that void for Mm -hmm. people. And that's why I think bars like, again, I'm shouting them out because we're in a story about (laughs) icon and albatross are so important because it gives that sense of community. Absolutely. A lot of people are missing. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. And so great. Um, how long does it take you to get ready? <laughs> <laughs> I, gi- I give myself, you mean just to get like physically ready for a show, I give myself three hours. It doesn't three. always take that long. Jeez. But I give myself that time because you, first, you never know what's going to go wrong. No, You know, yeah. you, you put your eyebrows on and one of them's in the wrong place and you, okay, I got to erase that and start again. <laughs> um, but, you know, so it takes, but it does take time, you know, to to put the kind of face to the world that I want to put. It takes yeah. time to, you know, I'm, I'm literally putting a painting on my face every is time there, I do is this. Is there a, um, so I'm not, let me preface this, where yeah. I'm not relating drag to clowning. Sure. But back in the clown community, way oh, yeah. back when, uh-huh. um, the, your face was very important. Oh, yeah. And once someone picked a face, uh-huh. other clowns could not do, do that, that face. Yeah, it was yeah. the biggest insult. Yeah. Is there something similar in the drag community um, where don't... it's like people, you can't, because there are certain drag queens that are have very... 
I can't remember her name right now, but there's one that Trixie was Trixie Mattel? On, yes, mm-hmm. with the very severe features. Severe, severe features. Yes. And that's become such a trademark for yes, her. Yes, absolutely. Is there a thing where if like someone else did that look, they would be kind of like. No, I mean, th- yeah. so there's, you know, there's only certain uh, a certain number of faces, I suppose. Yeah, um, no, exactly. Know, a lot of, it, you're not uh, causing any kind of offense by comparing drag to clowning because it's very similar in lots of ways. Okay, and, good. And, and one of those ways, you know, a lot of, a lot of um, drag queens will call themselves clowns or, you know, gown clown or things Great. like that. Um, and, uh, you know, so, um, but it is, you know, uh, once you, it's it is true that once you kind of settle on a look for yourself, yeah. you often go for something similar to that. You know, lots of queens, you know, play across the spectrum and they do all kinds of different looks. But um, you know, a lot of us will kind of settle on a face, just yeah. like a clown would, and um, and kind of stay within that world as long as you go because it becomes your brand, your trademark. No, totally. Um, you know, there isn't, uh, you know, there aren't, I've never heard of, I mean, there was a little controversy on this season of Drag Race where uh-huh. where one queen kind of painted a similar face to another queen and they had this kind of a little bit, little bit of a tiff about it. Yeah. But um, that was because of the competition, not because, oh, that queen can never paint the same face as me because okay. there are lots, you know. But, you know, Trixie Mattel does do a very severe kind yeah. of thing. And then there are queens like, you know, on the opposite end of that spectrum, like Courtney Act, who was on season six of the yeah, show. Yeah, I know Courtney. Oh, yeah. And she, like, you know, she barely puts on, you know, lipstick and some mascara and, and she's gorgeous, you know. But it's it's a totally different aesthetic, right? It's a completely different thing. And yeah. that's one of the wonderful things about drag is that it is this spectrum of of all of it, it's so many different things. So, but you're right; you you are not wrong in comparing it to to that. So, when I'm doing my drag and it takes me that long to do it, it's because I'm getting rid of quarters face. Yeah. I'm getting rid of my eyebrows. I'm getting rid of the my eye sockets. I'm getting rid of the shape of my nose and all yeah. of that. And I'm having to paint on something else that you know that looks like this character that I've created. So that takes time, and then you've got to you know. Putting on taking putting on tights takes a long time. Oh, I, <laughs> I remember from my tights. musical theater days. See, exactly. It was very difficult. Yeah, you got to roll them up and get them on your toe and all oh, that. Yeah. And, then, and then for drag, you got to get it over your hips too, and you got to make sure your hips are you know symmetrical on either side, and <laughs> you know all that kind of stuff. And putting on the you know the bra and the fake you know fake boobs and all that, and then the hair. It does. It just takes time to get all of that done. Can I ask a question about sure. the fake boobs? Yeah, this it's always interested me. Yeah, sure. Um. How in the world do you get cleavage? Well, so there's because that's what always amazes me. Yes, because I'm just like there's different ways that you do it. There are some queens who wear what's called a breastplate or a chest plate, okay, which is kind of this uh, silicone or rubber piece that matches their skin tone. Okay, and um, you know you have to wear like a um, like a necklace or something that kind of blocks the seam up here, gotcha. but it kind of comes in you know and then a dress. And so they're wearing like something that actually looks like breasts. There's those those queens. There are queens, especially queens who are larger in size who can take the natural uh, their natural body mm-hmm. you know their pectoral muscles or whatever you know fat or tissue is around their pe- pectoral muscles totally. and kind of they use duct tape sometimes or other things to like literally push them together and that creates like actual cleavage yeah um, one of the things that I do I have I have okay pecs um, and so I, I use that but I and a lot of what a lot of queens other do is you put contouring on the same way that you put it on your face you know I create shadow and highlight yeah. on my natural chest and that's something like you know if you're a fan of Drag Race this past season um, 
you know, Aquaria, who, uh, you know, is very thin and small and, and very young, she, if, when she's doing any kind of, and she doesn't even always do any kind of cleavage. Sometimes she's just flat-chested, which there are flat-chested biological women out there. So No, exactly. You know, um, but when she does do anything kind of cleavage, it's painted on her body because she doesn't have anything natural. And then you wear, of course, a padded bra or a padded yeah. corset or whatever. And then there's, on the other end of that, there's Eureka O'Hara, who is, you know, the big girl of this season, who has natural tissue there that she can put together and voila there they are so you know (laughs) yeah hey tricks of the trade exactly (laughs) that's so interesting now when you is there choices that go into um your repertoire your song selection and whatnot as far as following a certain aesthetic sure tone um yeah i mean a lot of uh I, I do a lot of um, Broadway stuff, musical theater stuff, because yeah. that's where my heart is, and that's where my background is, and that's where my knowledge base is. Yeah. You know, a lot of times when I'm creating something new, I don't have a lot of time. You know, just like just like South Park, I've only got six days to come up with exactly. something else. <laughs> you know, because the next show is coming up next week. Because you and perform, so, I mean, how many times a week do you perform at this uh, point? On, on average, it's twice a week, and I've got, you know, you know, I, I, every Monday night I'm at Broadway Mondays at Hardware Bar with Suddenly Seymour, and, you know, that's all Broadway repertoire, so yeah. that's, you know, that's my wheelhouse, and that's why they hired me there is because that's where my, my world is. Yeah. Um, but then I perform at Albatross, mm-hmm. um, you know, on a fairly regular basis, um, and um, I have cabaret shows. I have my um, Bette Midler cabaret show at Don't Tell Mama, um, and... Um, you know, things like that. So it's, you know, it's multiple times a week. You have to, you have to kind of go with what you know. Yeah. And what I know is the Broadway stuff. Now I do for, for places like Albatross, which is not, it's not a Broadway night and it's not a Broadway bar. Yeah. I, I, I try to branch out from that with my repertoire and choose things that I know are accessible. You know, I grew up, um, in the 80s and 90s so a lot of my stuff is 80s 90s music because yeah. that's when I had access to those kinds of things and listen to stuff but I try to uh, incorporate new stuff every once in a while too but I you know and when I'm doing my you know mixes and things like that that I create it's about people who or, or things that reach me in a certain way that mm-hmm. I think will reach other people in a similar way you know I have a uh, a mix that's uh, based on Clue the movie and I just love that film so much I and I know Clue. it's like a cult classic oh, so it's so good so I just feel like well a lot of people like this and I try it and hopefully they do you know or I just recently did one that's based on uh, the TV show Friends which I know is not on the air anymore but I feel, I feel like it's still a big part of our popular culture because it's it in syndication it's, it's, it's like the one show I never got into that everyone's obsessed with <laughs> and, like, and like I have a group of friends that every Thanksgiving they try to have like a friend giving thing and then oh like recreate gosh. photos from the thing and oh, I'm just like hilarious. guys I don't know what's happening <laughs> I was like I think everyone's annoying but Joey that's all I know it, it's like I, every time I try to watch the show they I'm like are. these people are awful yeah. Joey's great well I'm you know like, it, it was a comedy of manners and that's the no, kind of exactly. thing that was really popular at that time in the 90s it was horrible people doing funny things and you kind of loved them anyway exactly with Seinfeld and with that one and with you know all those shows oh, where my my I think my favorite show of all time is It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Right. Which took what people like Friends and Seinfeld were doing and just. Oh, yeah. The worst. Took it as far <laughs> as they possibly could. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, so I, I try to I try to mix it up where it comes to that. But, you know, we are who we are. And, you know, the Broadway thing, because I connect so well with it. Yeah. It's the stuff that I do best. And when and people in, enjoy me when I'm enjoying myself, you know. Yeah. So. Even if you're not uh, someone who's into 
Broadway musical theater stuff. If you see what I do, hopefully you're still going to enjoy it because you're watching me enjoy myself. Oh, hi, awesome. buddy. There's Thank my you, cat. Thank you, um, so great. Uh, before we wrap up, yes. I want to go through some uh, rules for people who might now be listening and be like, I want to go check out a drag show. Great. There's things that I didn't know about it. Sure. Uh, for example, uh, tipping. Let's start with that. Yes. Tipping <laughs> is very important. So um, most drag queens are um, not working for very much money. Yeah. Um, a lot of bars give drag queens, um, you know, a basic rate for coming in and doing their show yep. but it's not enough to live on nope. it's enough to make it worth your time to take that three hours to put the face on and get there yeah. but um, but you know it's not it's enough so you're not losing money doing the show but you're not necessarily gaining money hopefully although hopefully. there are lots of drag queens or shows where, like the debutante show that we yeah. did in Albatross where those um, all of those drag queens who were there to you know explore doing drag for the first time or for, uh, you know as one of their first times None of those queens were getting paid to be there. Yeah. That was a volunteer kind of thing. And especially queens who were starting out, that's often the case yeah. where you're not. So drag queens earn their money and pay for their drag and, you know, maybe the rest of their livelihood too by making tips. So it's very important, listeners, when you go to see a drag show that you bring some $1 bills or it's 2018. A lot of queens have Venmo now. You can always send them a Venmo. <laughs> that's okay too. Which is great. Thank you. <laughs> that's a, I've been seeing that. You called it out at Drag Depth on another show I went to. They call out like, mm. and then my Venmo handle is. is exactly. Like, that's a great idea. Exactly. And for you listeners, if you like what you're hearing right now, you can tip me at Cacophony Daniels on <laughs> Exactly. There you go. Um, but, uh, you know, so, you know, but it's, we don't get paid a lot of money just to yeah. show up. I mean, once you've been on, say, RuPaul's Drag Race, then, okay, you're going to make then a lot of money just money. to show up. Yeah. But, but just to walk through the door is not, you know, or just to do our show is not paying the bills. The tips totally. really help us. And, you know, whatever you're tipping a drag queen, I guarantee her tips are going to equal more than she is being paid actually to be there. So exactly. it's not even like, you know, we should, everyone should tip everyone very well. Wait staff, bar staff, all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. But, you know, wait staff or bar staff, they're earning like a, a minimum wage and in some states it's better than others. But drag queens are making even less than that. So please, yeah. please, the show you're seeing is usually free. So take that money that you yeah. would have paid for a cover charge totally. or a Broadway ticket or whatever and give those drag queens a tip. Thank you so much. I think that's very important. <laughs> um, as far as being an active audience member are there sure. lines that should not be crossed sure, absolutely yes um you know just like in any normal healthy society yeah. do not touch people unless they ask to be yes. touched um do you find that because you are in such a fantastic getup mm-hmm. people think that's okay yes um people definitely feel like oh i just want to you know m- nowadays it's getting better people are becoming more woke and not touching people when they shouldn't be touched but certainly people are oh you know well I want to grab this this fake boob looks funny I want to grab it or yeah. this or this hair and especially never touch a drag queen's wig because <laughs> it's held on with a wing and a prayer it's you know <laughs> we, you know we all you know do our best to glue them down and to pin them into our natural hair yeah. and all those kinds of things but it's still not a, a guaranteed that wig is going to stay on your, he- totally. stay on your head. So please don't touch a drag queen's wig unless she invites you to do so, in which case it's fine. Um, but yeah, so you definitely don't want to touch a queen unless she asks to. Um, if you're going to now, most drag shows are at bars. Yep. 
And just like being at a sports bar, not everyone is paying attention to the television. Not everyone's yep. paying attention to the drag show. We understand that, and that's okay. We don't expect everyone to sit in rapt, quiet attention yeah. watching our show. But if you're sitting in the first couple of rows of a show, don't have a loud conversation with your friends right there in front of the queen. Yeah. Go take that conversation to the back of the bar or to another table and go do that. But the people who are there to watch the drag queen are sitting those first couple rows, and they want quiet so they can enjoy it. And you have to remember that you're not watching television or, or a movie. We can hear you. Yeah. And, you know, and it, it can be distracting. And if you say something rude about us or, or about other people in the bar, we can hear that, too. And that could hurt our feelings. It could make us upset. Any of those totally. kinds of things. So just know that we can hear you. And if you're at a show to enjoy the show, great. Sit down quietly and have fun. And if you're at a bar that just happens to have a show and you don't want to enjoy the show, Go be somewhere else in the bar. Don't leave that bar. Yeah, yeah. Keep your money there, please. Thank you very much. But go somewhere else where that conversation isn't going to interrupt the other patrons who want to enjoy the show. Absolutely. Um, uh, let's see. Any other drag rules? I, I had, you know, um, we we love anyone who walks through our doors. Most queens do. There are some. It's it's getting less and less. But there are some queens who make fun of straight people in the audience or whatever. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm all about any ally who shows up and wants to watch my show. I am all about it. Thank mm-hmm. you to everyone who comes. Um, but you know, but there are the the you know the people who've never seen a drag show before who don't know maybe know how to refer to the queen. Yeah. And it is weird because we're we're blurring gender lines. No, totally. So my rule my rule is if someone's in a dress, refer to them as she unless she asks you not to or they ask you not to and then then they refer to them however they want to be referred to. I think that's a to. very simple clear rule. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. If they're in a dress and heels they probably want to be called she so yeah. go with that. Um, you know but and and the thing is that I'm not going to take offense if you don't know. I'm oh, yeah. I love to to teach the audience about what it is to be at a drag show. Totally. That's great. The more new people we get in is a new audience who's never seen me before who might want to come back and see me again so I'm all about that. A lot of people, it's so funny, a lot of people are scared of drag queens. and it, It's it, a fear I didn't know existed yeah. until I moved to New York. Yeah. And I knew, I know a couple, you know, we'd be down on like near the duplex on Christopher Street mm-hmm. and then like I'd have a fr- an unnamed friend be uh-huh. like, oh, but I got to get out of here. And <laughs> and yeah. It's just like, it's like, I didn't know oh, that was yeah. a fear. And you know, and it, it, I think it does come from, like you said, the parallels to clowning. Yeah. Um, because there are people who are ca- uh, scared no, of clowns. Absolutely. And so it kind of, it comes from that sometimes, but so, there are also queens who make their living as insult comics, right? Absolutely. Like, you know, like Don Rickles used to do back in the day. Absolutely. Now there's Bob the Drag Queen and there's Bianca Del Rio. Yeah. And those queens will read you or make fun of you if, you know, if you give them the opportunity. Yeah. But they never do, there's no reason reason to be afraid of a queen who is yeah. doing that because they're only doing it to have fun and to give the audience and you a laugh if they happen to to um focus on you at their show it's because they caught your you caught their eye yeah. but it's also because there's something about you that we can you know poke a little fun at yeah. it's never meant to be harmful or, or malicious hateful or anything or, malicious like, or that, anything yeah. like that unless you're breaking one of those other rules like talking loudly in the front row then you're gonna get chewed e- out. exactly but so there's no need to be afraid of a queen because a queen will never want to harm you listen we're there as an employee <laughs> of of whatever bar we're at yeah and we're acting as a representative of that bar and it's yeah. certainly not good press for that bar to be harming their patrons so we know better than to to hurt people or or offend people in a purposeful way we would yeah. never do that good so be but don't be afraid 
Don't be afraid. Enjoy yourself. But no, you might get a joke or two tossed your way. But exactly. It's, it's part of the thing. It's exactly, a, and you said it with Don Rickles. It's the exact same thing. Exactly. If you're going to go to a Don Rickles show, you know there's a chance you're going to get pointed out. Exactly. Or exactly. if you go to like an even more reason, if you go to like a Dave Attell show, that's yes. what he's going to do. Exactly. And so it's not what you're getting into, but yeah. it's so much fun. Yeah, it is. It's a lot of fun. Well, this was so much fun. Thank you this so much. This was amazing. Thank Everybody, you. Everybody, please follow Cacophony Daniels on yes. all of the social medias. Yes. On uh, where will you be performing um, coming up? Well, um, I have a show at Don't Tell Mama. It's a Bette Midler tribute show. I am not playing Wanna Bet. I'm just, I'm playing Bet. I'm just, the show is called Wanna Bet. I'm not playing Bet. I'm just singing all her music from her early days in the bathhouses all the way through her, you know, pop history and all that kind of stuff. Awesome. Um, it's a great show. It's a lot of fun. And by the time this airs, there will still be two dates, July 14th and 28th at 7 p.m. Perfect. Um, you can see me every Monday night at Hardware Bar for Broadway Mondays, which is a lot of fun. It's Suttonly Seymour and I, and we always have a fantastic Broadway guest as well. Um, and Sutton and I are also starting a, another new cabaret show, very different than a drag uh, bar show. It's a cabaret show. We're still in drag, um, but that'll be at Don't Tell Mama as well. Great. And it's called Bedraggled Broadway, and it is... Bedraggles. I yes, like that. Um, which is a real word. I didn't know that was a real That's word. That's a real word? It's a, I know. I oh, no I thought idea. it was a pun. Okay. I know. I know. Great. Me too. Um, but yeah, it's a... Um, it's a show that where we kind of lampoon and spoof the current Broadway season. It's going to be a ton of fun, and that opens July 6th at 9.30 and then runs Fridays from July 6th until August 17th. Awesome. Yeah. That's so great. Well, thank you so much for being on Thank this. you, Zach. Thank I've you for being it. so wonderful. Everyone, please check out Cacophony Daniels, and we'll talk to you another time Awesome. Soon. Thanks, Zach. Thank Bye. you. What a splendor. Guys, I can't believe this is my job sometimes that I get to talk and learn from these incredible people. Cacophony, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Thank you for letting us talk. This was so amazing. I I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I do. It was a big learning experience for me, and I can't wait to catch Cacophony in her show. You guys better be getting out there if you want to please follow her on all of her social medias at cacophony daniels follow me at zach miko z-a-c-h-m-i-k-o on twitter and instagram on facebook.com slash big things pod and on our website bigthingspod.com. guys thank you for letting me do this thank you for indulging me thank you for being part of our little community and learning about people doing big things now go out into the world and you yourself do big things